The Miami Heat beat the Charlotte Hornets on Saturday and are back to being the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. We'll give you our takeaways from the game before we give you our prediction for this week's games. And we'll wrap up the show as we debate whether the Heat need to make a move at the Thursday trade deadline and what Eric Spolstra's coaching the All-Star game means for his Coach of the Year candidacy. A great show to start off your week here on Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Monday edition of Locked on Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for making Locked on Heat your number one first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, and with me, as always, is Wes Goldberg. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online where the game starts. A great show to start off your week. Again, we'll be giving you our takeaway from Miami's 104-86 to victory over the Charlotte Hornets on Saturday. And then Noster Dumwis will make his return to give his predictions for this week's slate of games. Only three games this week, but still good uh, to offer some predictions. And then a new segment that we'll be debuting in the third segment. So that should be fun. And uh, we'll debate a couple of the big issues surrounding the Miami Heat. But let's start off with the Saturday win over the Charlotte Hornets. A slow start for the Heat. Uh, they were actually trailing to the Hornets at halftime. The Hornets, of course, a high-powered offense. And then, of course, well, in the third quarter, they absolutely obliterated the Charlotte Hornets, outscoring them 35-8, to went on to cruise to an easy victory. Again, 104-86, a fun win, and putting Miami back atop the Eastern Conference West. What's your takeaway from that game? Well, one of the things we've been talking about in regards to Miami this year is that we really haven't seen – what the ceiling for this team is, right? And, yep. you know, I said a couple of weeks ago, I think it's pretty clear that the Heat have the highest floor in the NBA, and it's not very close, given what they've been able to do without their best players for so much of the season. Given that against Charlotte, what was that, the 15th time we've seen the big the the, the big three yes. together this year? So yeah. we really haven't seen it. Uh, I don't know that we saw it on Saturday for the complete, uh, for both sides of the ball. But I do right. think we saw what they could do, like top end, what they can do defensively with the switching, with what they were able to do weak side defensively, what they were able to do on ball in limiting guys like LaMelo Ball, who had his own all-star candidacy this year, even though he didn't make it, which I think he got snubbed, but whatever. Um, you know, they were able to shut down everything that Charlotte wanted to do, held them to just 86 points. You mentioned Charlotte high-powered offense. They certainly are, right? This is... They're in the playoff chase right now because of their offense, not because of their defense. And Miami was able to hold them to 86 points, only eight points in that third quarter. And that third quarter was really, really strong. I know they scored 35 points in that third quarter, but so much of that offense was derived from the defense and what they were able to do on that end. And when they are not just stopping teams that that way, but disrupting teams. They had 14 steals in that game, David. That's insane. 14 steals, six blocks. Uh, They were just created a ton of turnovers. They scored... 27 points off of turnovers in that game. So it's a direct defense to offense uh, line there. Uh, I thought we saw maybe for the first time all season, maybe with an exception of that opening night win against uh, Milwaukee, what this defense can do at its best. And I'd probably even say against the Bucs, it wasn't even as good as what we did because they were on a string more than they ever have been. They've played enough together. They've spent enough time together, watched enough film together now where they really do know where the other one's going to be. And they're anticipating things. And like I said, they're completely wired. 
Uh, they were at least on Saturday. And that, if you're another team in the Eastern Conference playoffs, you don't want to see that in a series. That's for sure. No, absolutely. Uh, I think everybody missing the kind of time that they have has kind of created their understanding of what the other players have to do even more acutely. I don't know if that makes sense, but you talk to players whenever they're injured or missing time, they can see tendencies because they're off the floor. They're not in the moment. They're not on the floor. And so when you see them back on the floor together for the first time or the first time in a very, very long time, all of a sudden you get this cohesion. And that was the, the rust against the San Antonio Spurs was shaken off. What they did was a, a masterclass defensively. I'm glad you brought it up because it was just a thing of beauty. So disruptive. I don't know that any team will be able to manifest scoring against this group if they're at their peak like this. And that's, you know, with Duncan Robinson being a subpar defender, but still having his moments here and there. So I, I think Tyler Hero, same. Yep. Yeah. Actually, that was my takeaway too, because I think Tyler Hero, as good a game as he had scoring, and he certainly had it uh, shooting the ball, I think he also showed versatility on the defensive end that he hasn't he has showed some switchability as well um moving his feet a little bit we've seen incremental progress throughout the season and i think that the book is out on tyler teams are going to target him regardless but as long as he can kind of hold his own the way he did on saturday it'll be enough miami's great defensive pre and we're not even counting on victor Oladipo and whatever he might be able to add to this but you're looking at it, such a strong group defensively. You take Duncan out of the lineup, you put Victor in there if he's close to full health or you know whatever he might be at this point in his career, and all of a sudden that's an unstoppable defensive juggernaut. Like I just don't know. It's going to be converting turnovers into points. It's going to be this fast pace. It's going to be great switching. We well, saw we're already it. seeing a little bit with Caleb Martin in there. And to go back to For your sure. point about with all these injuries. We Jimmy Butler didn't need confidence to know that he was an all NBA defender. He's been that. Kyle Lowry, ditto. Bam Adebayo, same thing. And I want to touch on Bam in a little bit here. But when you have a guy like Caleb Martin stepping up the way he did, yeah. he only is able to do that with all the playing time like you were talking about. Like his confidence to do his job and star right. in his role defensively, I don't know that that happens if not for all those injuries in December. Absolutely I not. really don't. Um, and so it, it's a really good point by you. And now you sort of have, all right, like we knew what we were getting with Jimmy and Kyle and Bam and PJ, obviously PJ Tucker. But like Tyler Hero was – forced to do more. Duncan Robinson was forced to do more. Caleb Martin gave Vincent, man. He's awesome oh, yeah. defensively. Max yeah. Drews has gotten worlds better than when he started. At the beginning of the year, he was getting benched at times. People forget that he was getting benched because of what he was just saying. Yeah, he didn't there. know what he was doing defensively. And let's just say everything you want about Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero getting attacked. They absolutely will get attacked on switches and certain mismatches, but they at least know what to do uh, from a team defensive standpoint. And Max yeah. Drews earlier in the year didn't. He's gotten much better since then. Um, yeah. so yeah, all of that stuff is absolutely true. Can we just talk a little bit more about Bam Adebayo defensively? Phenomenal. I, my takeaway is eight, 18 episodes talking about it, it wouldn't be enough. Like Miami Heat fans awesome. are absolutely spoiled. Like there was yeah. uh, Steve Jones uh, of the Dunker uh, pod. You I'm know, glad he, you said this. Yeah. Yeah. He, he showed that a thread there showing the kind of versatility on multiple possessions where he was switching ball handlers, helping guys go under screens, moving around so quickly. It's amazing to see him yeah. work defensively, and we just take it for granted at this point. Check out that thread. I, 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 yeah. I retweeted it on my timeline, so it's there if you guys want to find yeah. it. Uh, he does a great job breaking down stuff in general, and it was, it was it's a pleasure when he decides to break down a heat game for a little bit. But, sure. Um, yeah, what he does, and then you combine that with just the intelligence from Kyle Lowry, from Jimmy Butler, oh. doing all that weak side stuff. They – all these guys are so disruptive and so smart, and everybody says, all right, the Heat are a switching team, but they're opportunistic on, on defense just like they are on offense. Absolutely. We always use that word, talking about them on offense. Are they going to shoot the three tonight? Are they going to go into the paint? Are they going to 
play the post? Are they going to attack mismatches and all these things? Like that's what they do offensively. Defensively, they're equally as opportunistic now because they don't switch everything. They switch most things, but they know when they're not going to switch. They don't want to switch off a, a, a big off of a big. So they're all on a, on a string. Like, all right, we're not going to switch this, but we're going to switch that. And an offense can run them through. Is Charlotte is really well coached. James Borrego is doing an awesome job with them. They're not. That's not an easy offense to. That's not high pick and roll every possession. They are a tough offensive system. And Miami dialed it in for that game in a way that you would expect for a playoff series. But they had it scouted, and they were they they nailed it. Uh, what they need to do defensively, uh, and like and like we're talking about, it just creates so much easy offense for this team that is needed because they're still just going to be a ho hum half court team, I think at right. best. But uh, if they could do that and play in the full court and get those points off of turnovers and stuff, then yeah, then we're really starting to peek at what Miami's ultimate ceiling overall could be. Yeah, James Booknight might debate whether or not James Borrego is a good coach or not. Uh, I don't know if you saw that little altercation no on the sidelines. No. Well, Book Knight apparently had some words with Borrego, and Borrego had some words with him, and he was uh, Book Knight was escorted off the floor uh, back to the locker room. So the rookie having a little wow. problem in Charlotte there. Uh, that was a look when you're being beaten by 30 points against the Heat. I can understand why you would be a little frustrated. But one thing you don't have to be frustrated about is your your New Year's resolutions. A lot of people probably have given them up at this point, but you know what? You can still stick to your resolution or at least your goal of eating right. And why? Because you've probably been trying built bars, and if you haven't, you've been doing yourself a great disservice. Because built bars are the kind of treats that you want to indulge in. It's so much taste, soft, 100% covered in chocolate, easy to chew. They don't taste like a protein bar, but you get all the protein and nutrients that you might be looking for out of your regular uh, bar like that. And and you know, there's so many great flavors. Again, you probably tried the new Puffs flavor. If you haven't, you're, you're missing out. It's one of built bars' best tasting bar. It's the first ever protein infused marshmallow that's right they're fluffy they're marshmallowy they're not just a protein bar they're a treat and they're covered in 100 real chocolate just like the rest of the bars there's so many great flavors again to choose from they're low calorie high protein replace your candy bars with these and they are better a typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories you don't have to worry about that when you get a built bar so make sure you go to built.com build a, a mixed box of all of your favorite flavors and use the promo code lock 15 so you get 15 percent off your order Use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off, but only if you go to Built.com. All right, it is time for Nostra Dumbwess. We're making predictions for this week in Miami Heat basketball. David, let's get to our first game. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun. And just a reminder also, by the way, that the Locked On Heat, uh, well, Locked On Network, excuse me, will be covering the NBA trade deadline better than anybody on Thursday, February 10th. I know a lot of people are worried about what's going to happen. We'll be debating that in the next segment as well. But remember, uh, join Kim Becker, John Corrales, uh, Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd, and NBA veteran Antonio Daniels to give you a player's perspective to get analysis of every blockbuster move as it happens. Make sure you subscribe on Locked On NBA YouTube and turn your notifications on so you know when they go live. But let's keep it going with some of these predictions. Only three games this week, so yeah. not a heavy workload for the Miami Heat, but that's okay. They could use a break. They're still continuing their uh, long road trip, and they'll kick it off on Monday at Washington. They're at the nation's capital. And the question for you, Nostradamus, will Bradley Beal even play? And if he does, does it even matter? So here we go. Uh, Bradley Beal is set to be reevaluated Tuesday. Uh, and so I would imagine that means he won't be playing in that game mm -hmm. if he's going to be reevaluated. So to that point, no, I don't think Bradley Beal is going to play, which I want to talk about here in a minute, the Bradley Beal to Miami thing. But 
Uh, does it matter? I don't know that it matters because they look, they're one and two without Bradley Beal uh, so far, which is right about what they've been all season with Bradley Beal. They haven't been a particularly great team with Bradley Beal, uh, you know, after their, you know, beginning of the season, uh, hot stretch they they've fallen off and it's now to the point where people are debating whether or not they should trade Bradley Beal before the deadline and just hit this red button and blow the whole thing up right um I don't know that it's going to matter this team has not been very good over the last 15 games they're 23rd in offensive rating 20th in defensive rating they stink okay and there's yep. no reason why Miami going into Washington now even on the road but with the rest that they have from Saturday to Monday you know the, all these back-to-backs finally seem to be over um I think they'll be okay in that game. This is a game that they should handle, especially off the heels of a, a, of a big momentum gaining win uh, against the Hornets there. So with that said, do we want to do the Beal thing right now? I, I don't know that we want to do Beal to Miami, but certainly if he's going to be reevaluated and, and not be at that game, uh, if there was any recruitment going to be had, it's probably not going to be done on the court. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. If I think, I think I speak for a lot of heat fans when we're kind of just done with the whole talk about Bradley okay. Beal, the kind of wishy-washiness. I think he's – they're ready to move on from him. I think it's pretty apparent. When you've got Montrez Harrell saying, this team effing sucks, uh, the mood on this team effing sucks, we effing suck, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of mm-hmm. losing, and they've got to blow it up. They just can't seem to figure it out. Uh, it's tough for uh, first-year head coach Wes Unsell to try and get the most of that team. Remember remember back earlier in the season when the Wizards were atop the Eastern Conference? Yeah. Oh, that feels like an eternity ago. They so should they blow could. it up. I, I really don't know what they're doing. I, I understand that Beal you don't want to trade a franchise best, player. Well, Beal can't be your best player on a team, and yet they don't have the right they don't have the right players surrounding him to complement what it is that he does. They just they're built badly. I mean, look, you yeah. look at, at Miami, and I keep going back to this point. We've been saying it all season long. This is a team built to win. They've got the right players. They've got the right collect, connection of players. They fit well. It's a seamless uh, coalition there, you know. And I, I just, I, I just like the way this team is built. And you look at Washington, and just it doesn't seem to make sense. Like they've got, I know they've had injuries, just like everybody else. Right. But Beal can't be your best player. He's no Jimmy Butler. But anyway, let's uh, move on. Just one oh, last point on that, though. Like Tommy Shepard sure. the other day said, we we don't want to trade Bradley Beal because we don't want to start over. Well, you're 24 and 28, and you're out of the playoffs right now. Trying to start over, buddy. You yeah. kind of already are starting over. Right. Right. Like starting over from <laughs> what? All right, yeah. go ahead. Okay. All right Thursday. Thursday, uh, still wrapping up the road trip here. The Heat will go into New Orleans. Uh, who wins the battle of the boards against the Pelicans? Nostradamus. So some stats here to begin. The Pelicans right. have been awesome as a rebounding team most of the season, but specifically in the last 15 games. The Pelicans rank ninth in overall rebounding percentage, 10th in offensive rebounding percentage, and third in defensive rebounding percentage. We have seen at times the Heat struggle with teams that kill them on the boards, right? You know how I feel about rebounding, but the stats are what the stats are this season. So Miami, over the last 15 games, have ramped it up a little bit. They're actually seventh in overall rebounding and seventh in offensive rebounding percentage. They're 18th in defensive rebounding percentage, which isn't great. But this is going to be, to me where this game could be won or lost. If Miami doesn't have to win the battle of the boards necessarily, but they can't get destroyed. You know, obviously I have Jonas Valanciunas in the middle for the Pelicans. He's averaging like 12 rebounds a game right now. And he's made almost a career of destroying the Miami heat. So uh, he's in that Nikola Vucevic tier of destroying the heat rebounding was. Yes. If if he ever gets traded to Orlando magic, forget about it. But, uh, (laughs) um, 
But this is, to me, like the key battleground for this game. Again, the Heat don't have to win the rebounding board, but just keep it tight. Just keep it tight right. because Miami will. Miami can win every other category. They just can't get blown right. out here. Yeah, no, I, I'll go even a step further and say they're probably going to lose the battle just because Valanciunas does it creates such an incredible mis uh, you know a, a, a disadvantage for the Heat. But at the same time, it doesn't really matter. This is a Pelicans team that just they don't have the energy to keep it going for four quarters, 48 minutes. They start off well. I could imagine that Miami will go in there, and as they have in the past, they'll play a little sloppy to start it off, and then Pelicans will eventually fall apart. Miami will tighten up the things that they do well, yeah. and eventually they'll be able to cruise to a victory. So they'll be well-rested, too, because they obviously play in Washington on Monday, and then they play in New Orleans rest, yeah. on Thursday. So three days. But they'll come back to South Florida before they go to the Pelicans. So I know this is the last game of this road trip, but really they'll be back in Florida and then eventually go on to the road in New Orleans is at least the, that's, you know, that's what they're going to end up doing. So, well, last game of the week on Saturday versus the Brooklyn Nets, a highly anticipated matchup should be fun. And Nostradamus, who defends Kyrie Irving? Ah, that's a great question, David, because this isn't a straight up, hey, just have Kyle Lowry guard the other point guard, right? Anymore. Yeah. First of all, should be noted, James Harden's day to day right now. And we're recording this. I don't know if Brooklyn started playing yet, but he was questionable for tonight's game for for the nets but he's been day-to-day there's lingering injuries even if he does return to the lineup he could be out of the lineup he's been dealing with some lingering stuff lately and uh this is also after the trade deadline Mm. so maybe that's something to watch like is james harden even on the brooklyn nets by the time this game is played so uh (laughs) but the reason i bring up harden is because if it's both harden and Kyrie on the floor for brooklyn then you have some decisions to make if you're Miami, right? Because if you look at what they've done lately against top point guards, we used to talk, remember with the whole Caleb Martin conversations guarding Damian sure. Lillard, De'Aaron right. Fox, Steph Curry? Well, lately that's been Jimmy Butler's job. And you look at the game in Charlotte, and he spent a majority of that game guarding okay. LaMelo Ball. And obviously yeah. other guys would get switched onto LaMelo because of the nature of sure. Miami's defense, but it was mostly Jimmy Butler starting possessions. Uh, he, he played, you know, four, he guarded um, LaMelo for four minutes in that game, which is... A lot. That's a, that's a lot of time to guard one player. Um, right. So I think it'll be Jimmy Butler on mm. Kyrie Irving. But again, if Harden is out there, I'm not sure what you do. Do you put Jimmy on Harden knowing that Harden's going to want to try to get to the basket and muscle his way a little bit more and you want Jimmy's size on Harden? And if you do that, they haven't been really putting Lowry on other quick twitch point guards this year. They, they're letting Lowry kind of hang and, and do other things. Um, do you... Put P.J. Tucker on Kyrie Irving. Ooh. What do you do? Because Kevin Durant, by the way, is not if, if you've been on, living under a rock or not paying attention to Brooklyn, they have, he's not playing until after the All Star break. Uh, like there's there again, you have some decisions to make. I think can you put Lowry on Harden? Can he you match maybe, up yeah. well? I, I could see him and then Jimmy yeah. on Kyrie. Yeah, I could see the strength, the the wily nature of Lowry, and it'll be an interesting contrast there between like you know flop artist let's say i mean harden's gonna <laughs> yeah. throw his arms up in the air kyle's gonna go get set back five feet as a result oh my uh, god if lowry is guarding harden lowry will be ejected by like the five minute mark of the first quarter with two technicals like it'll be over we'll see it should be fun uh how's that know, for a project know. let's do that let's do that <laughs> kyle lowry will get at least one technical against the brooklyn nets guaranteed <laughs> the soft go to betonline.net to bet on it it's done yeah, it's- that's a hundred percent. That's a slucker's bet. I can't believe it. Ah, come on, we got to We got bet. Go all the way, man. Is he going to get ejected against? That's the, the one. The over under is at one of one and a half technicals, and you might want to take the over on that. 
All right. Well, we'll debate some of the top questions surrounding the Miami Heat in the next segment. So make sure you stay for that. But first, a reminder that this show is brought to you by Bet Online, and they've got you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game in a couple of weeks, BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season's podcast too. And it's not just football. Bet Online has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, the NHL, boxing, USC, along with live real uptime, uh, real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right. That's that's usually my Monday madness music, but that's okay. Just a reminder that you can no, it's cool. You can always reach us via email at lockdownheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. We're wrapping up today's episode with a new segment called Who You Got, where Wes and I debate a topic of our choosing. And let us, uh, and you let us know which argument you agree with more. And we'll start off with a look around the Eastern Conference. You brought up James Harden in the previous segment. Just hours before recording this episode, it was announced that the Indiana Pacers had traded Karis LeVert to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who so many Heat fans are worried about. Philadelphia may or may not be trading for C.J. McCollum. So given all this, Wes, do the Heat need to make a trade to remain competitive in the Eastern Conference? Call me crazy. I'm not scared of Karis LeVert. Like that doesn't that doesn't really worry me. I like the move for for Cleveland. You need another ball handler. Um, it felt like they gave up a, a little bit more draft capital than I thought they would have to give up for Karis LeVert. Uh, yeah. I just never really been a Karis LeVert guy. I I, I, I don't know. I, that doesn't really move the deal. Is that that sound that that screams like? Remember when everybody made a big deal about Evan Turner getting traded to the Pacers? Was that 2012 yes. or something? Like, oh, this is going to give the Pacers the Charles edge Barkley. in the Heat Charles series. Barkley, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was like predicting that the big three would lose to Evan Turner in the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, Evan forget Turner it, man. Like, struggle, yeah. Karis LeVert's not doing it for me. Um, and look, if Philadelphia gets CJ McCollum, that's cool, I guess. Like, I really like CJ McCollum. He's an awesome scorer, but I, I don't know that that's the guy that that pushes Philadelphia over the top. I'm worried about Philadelphia in general. Joel Embiid has been that good, and they have enough yeah. defensive-minded wings there that it is a problem to play them. But um, so don't take anything away from the Sixers. Getting CJ McCollum will help them a little bit. I'm not sure if it helps them that much, but I really haven't carved into it that much because, like you said, these reports are just sort of happening today. But uh, I don't know that the Heat have to make a move because they're they're pretty good already. They're number one in the Eastern Conference. They have a pretty complete roster, and their boost is going to come with Victor Oladipo after the trade deadline at some point here. So um, I, I, I this roster is pretty complete. Now, the one thing I will say is, what's the Markeith Morris situation? We had a report from the Miami oh, Herald. You're, you're- you're jumping the gun here. That right. was another we'll question later okay. on in the segment. Then. Okay. No, no, but you're right. But this, this is this is kind of where I'm leading here, and this is why I think that they actually have to make a move because okay. you look at Duncan Robinson and his struggles recently, and you look at whether or not Miami is able to put together a, a competent half-court offense, something that's been debated largely over the course of the season, and you look at where the rest of the, the teams in the Eastern Conference are making little moves here and there, these kind of tweaks, you can't afford to waste the, the the great opportunity you have right now with Kyle Lowry arguably still hanging on to the vestiges of his peak with Jimmy Butler before his health completely erodes, with P.J. Tucker playing as well as he has, with Bam and Abayo. And I didn't even mention one of my takeaways from Saturday's game is that I think that uh, shoulder injury, which, you know, at this point he's not listed as questionable or out, 
for Monday's game against the Wizards. But I think it's going to continue to crop up just because it's been a long-standing problem for him. You have to be able to trade for more depth. This is the answer for this Heat team is to be able to continue to trot players out there to step up and find their roles, whether it's Dwayne Dedman or Victor Oladipo or Max Strews or whoever they trade for, make a move. You can't afford to take a chance right now. And even if it's a minor move, just acquire somebody who can still contribute and find a way to to make an impact for this Heat team. Because I think right now you cannot afford to waste any opportunities. We've seen it with Philadelphia, right? It's a debate that we've talked about so many times. They're wasting Joel Embiid and arguably an MVP season because Daryl Morey and his calculator want to dig their heels. And I shouldn't trash him that way, but that's that's the easy, the low-hanging fruit, right? Is that he doesn't want to make a trade for Ben Simmons because, I don't know, he, he's waiting for James Harden or the perfect right. package to drop out of the sky. In the meantime, well, you've got Embiid playing as good as he has. What, what, what are you doing there? You know, That is what would worry me. If, 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 if Philadelphia does swing the Harden deal, now sure. we're talking about something that, first of all, I still don't understand why Brooklyn would do it unless they really think that James Harden is leaving. Unless they really absolutely think that Harden is out the door and that's the best. Nash thing earlier today saying that's not going to happen. We're not going to trade him. So of I course. can't see it happening. I can't. You've never seen something like that at the deadline, that massive of a deal. But if it does happen, Carmel like if you're Anthony, the Heat, right? that's you're doing as much work now trying to gather intel on that than you yeah. are anything else. Like, hey. Is Philadelphia in Brooklyn serious about this? Because if they are, maybe we have to make a big swing too. If they're not, maybe we're a little bit more comfortable with where we are going after the deadline. All right, let's wrap up the next two uh, questions real quickly. Again, who you got? Does yeah. Miami – oh, sorry. Does uh, does Eric Spolster now going into Cleveland in late in February, coaching the All-Star game, does this mean anything? Is this a significant thing for Eric Spolstra okay. to be coaching the All-Star game? Wes, what do you think? Yes, it is. And – I think it matters to be on that stage, on have that platform in a normal all-star break, right? That matters in terms of his coach of the year candidacy. If you ask Eric Spolster whether or not he wants to win coach of the year, the answer is probably going to be no. I don't, yeah. And I don't know how true that is. I don't know. I think he needs one. I, I just think he, does, he should have had at least one of them already. It's kind of crazy that he doesn't have a coach of the year award. I want to see him get it this year. I think he's earned it this year so far. And being the guy who's standing on the sidelines, even as just a, a, a fictional head coach, just doing a fake job, <laughs> is fine. At least that you're on that stage when other coaches are not. Yeah, I have to swing the other way in this. Uh, if you look at the breadth of Eric Spolster's career, and this is what, his 14th season as the head coach of the Miami Heat. How many times would you say he's coached the All-Star game before this? Once, maybe. Yeah, that's exactly right. Once. Yeah. During and the we're 2012. already... Yeah, 2012-2013 season, uh, 66 and 16. And none of it's changed. Like, he's still going to be enshrined in Springfield at one point as a Hall of Fame coach, and deservedly so. Best coach in franchise history, and I think that's pretty fair. Also, most accomplished, one of the best coaches currently, one of the best coaches all time. And none of it matters whether or not you coach in an All-Star game. Basically, an exhibition where people are throwing half-court lobs. I know that the Elam ending has made some things much more competitive and things of that sort, but I just don't see that this is what everybody's going to Any recruiting that can be done? No. No, you've, you've been there. You've covered yeah. these All-Star games. Players yeah. are all over the place. They're going to so many functions and parties and events and things of that sort. They have one practice on Saturday that's basically a joke saying, don't get hurt. We'll see what happens with minutes. It's the one then, practice a year where media are allowed to cover the entire thing, other than the uh, training camp one, the, the ceremonial yeah. training camp one. We're, so we're you, sitting you there how much time. it matters. Yeah, we're, we're sitting there watching guys kind of move, joke, dance. I right. mean, seriously, it's not really much of a practice, only in name. So I don't think it's really uh, all that important. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I like him being there and just getting some national recognition at the same yeah. time. 
I don't know how many people are tuning into the All-Star game anyway, but uh, we'll wrap it up with one more question here. Wes, who you got? Does Markeith Morris even play another game for the Miami Heat? No, and I don't. I, I thought this for a long time. Um, there are real medical concerns, obviously, with him. Credit to the Miami Herald for sourcing something and, and getting a report on it, but it's been pretty obvious that that has been the case. Otherwise, he would have been back. We had a doctor on a couple months ago when this injury sort of first was was happening and lingering. Right. And he said, like, normally these guys would be back on the floor playing or at least working right. your way back into playing shape by right. uh, within a few weeks unless something drastically goes wrong, which is obviously possible with a whiplash injury. And so this is clearly what had happened. There is a long, uh, a, 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 a concerning medical thing happening right now with Marquise Morris. Miami is playing it slowly. He's been cleared to play, which is why he's not listed as whiplash anymore. He's just returned to conditioning, but that doesn't really, we're talking about semantics now, right? Um, maybe he plays again, but I just, based on this, I don't know that he does. And if he, and he could be a guy that gets dealt at the deadline just because of that contract. Uh, and so maybe you're able to get somebody else who fills that spot that you were hoping Marquise Morris could be for you. If you don't think that he's going to be able to play for you this year. Yeah, I've got to take a stand here against you, but only uh, I'm doing it kind of half-heartedly to be 100% honest with you. There's a pre-existing condition there for him as well. He suffered an, er an injury early in his career in that same area, which could be a contributing factor as well. Miami's already gone through this process before with Justice Winslow. They did it most notably with Chris Bosh. And now all of a sudden they have a significant concern with another player. It's a liability issue. It's the business of basketball. We can't just look past it. Uh, it's also shows some concern on behalf of the player, but the player is always going to want to go out there. They want to prove that they can still contribute. They want to be a part of these winning ways, et cetera. So I think eventually the Miami Heat will go ahead and acquiesce and let Markeith play. At, at some point, he'll show that he's bounced back. It's a long season, even it if it's just a couple games in long April time. or something like that yeah. before the playoffs start off. He's another guy with experience. As long as he's traveling with a team and showing goodwill, and as long as he's not traded, I can see him in a heat uniform at some point this season. But that'll wrap it up for today's episode. Thank you again for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Remember that every episode is always free and available wherever you get the show. So make sure to subscribe to get the best coverage available. Make sure you also check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. This is David Ramel signing off for now. Thanks so much for joining me, Wes. Wrap it up, B.